So I woke up in the morning. One day I woke up in the morning uh, and I had the name of Cleopatra in my head. And then on, on the name, I start building the project. I see the queen being Cleopatra. I see the competition theme in Cleopatra's crown, Cleopatra's wear. So I thought, oh my God, Cleopatra would be a good festival name. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Baladins Live podcast. I'm your host, Jana Komarnitska, and I'm thrilled to share a new portion of dance inspiration with you. If you are a new listener, welcome to the show. Don't forget to subscribe and receive automatic updates about our new episodes. And if you are our regular listener, welcome back. Please leave your reviews on whichever app you're listening. They really help me promote the show and spread awareness about Baladins art form. Plus, I really love like hearing back from you. On this note, let's get to our today's episode. This episode was brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, a meeting place for committed dance enthusiasts of all levels. Most of our members shared that the club helped them to improve consistency in their training, meet new dance friends, and discover various topics through hundreds of different tutorials. This is definitely a belly dance training that becomes a lifestyle. Learn more at yanadanceclub.com, link in the show notes, or simply visit yanadanceclub.com and try for 7 days for free. If you have been following my Instagram stories this summer, you have seen how many dance festivals take place in Cairo during June and July. And one of the festivals was Cleopatra Festival, which I had a pleasure attending. It was an amazing event. And today I have a pleasure to chat with organizer of Cleopatra Festival, Mohammed Shahin. Mohammed is an inspirational instructor world-renowned performer and challenging choreographer of Egyptian oriental dance. A native of Cairo, he discovered his passion for Egyptian dance at the young age of 15. Throughout Shaheen's childhood, he was fascinated by all forms of dance and after receiving his degree as mechanical engineer, he was at a crossroad to choose between becoming a full-time engineer or pursue his life as a professional dancer and dance teacher. Luckily for us, he decided that he would dedicate himself to the Egyptian dance, and after many years of the intense study of various Middle Eastern styles of dance, modern dance and ballet, Shahin developed a complex methodology of instruction that has made him a master teacher beloved to his students worldwide. Currently, he lives in New York City, but has been touring the world full-time since 2004. And in our today's episode, we talked about his different events, including the story of creating Cleopatra Festival in Cairo, in Egypt, and its first successful edition. We talked about differences between dance festival and intensive differences between organizing events and specifically dance festivals in USA and in Egypt, as well as nuances of dance in different countries, and specifically what is a typical Egyptian show, and nuances of communication between dancer and musicians. And since the topic of music was recurrent during our conversation again and again, we also, of course, talked about Muhammad's latest music album, which was presented during Cleopatra Festival, and we talked in depth about the process of creating songs for dancers, and he gave even a couple tips from his own practice. 
This is already our second interview with Mohammed. The first one was episode nine, number 94, which I highly recommend to listen to because it was a completely different and unique conversation. I will include a link in the show notes so that you can easily find it there. And today I feel it would be a different side of his activities, but also a great continuation and see in four years how the focus... Uh, passion stayed the same but also changed it's one of those uh, fascinating trajectories that still keeps on the same road but also feels different so i hope this interview this episode will inspire all of you to dance more to listen to music more and to learn more and as always don't forget to let us know what you liked the most what takeaway you, you did from this conversation share the screenshot on social media or simply send to a friend tag me tag our guest we all love seeing who is the listeners are who is the audience of the podcast is and don't be shy to send a message letting us know what surprised you the most in this episode You know how many guests we had previously on this podcast sharing how much their experience with BDE pushed their dance career. You can have it too. Join one of the BDE experience intensives and get the training and experience of performing in lead and ensemble roles. Open for Aksharki and Fusion styles. Details and training materials for the casting are available at www.joinbde.com. Direct link in the show notes, joinbd.com. Hello, Muhammad. Welcome back to the Belly Dance Life podcast. Thank you for agreeing to do interview one more. And I'm really happy to do it again in person, uh, this time in Cairo. Uh, so welcome back to the project. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jana. And I'm, it's a pleasure to talk to you for the second time. I mean interview, interview but yeah. we'll talk, we've been talking for a long time but this is a second interview I'm so happy to be with you one more time I would right away would like to start uh, talking about your festival because we are talking literally what it's a week ish maybe two no not even two I think maybe two weeks yes after around. the festival yeah. finished and congratulations on your uh, first edition of Cleopatra festival here in Cairo so congratulations on that and I would right away would like to start talking about it how do you feel about festival and um, you have been doing many events in the past of different formats festivals in Egypt outside of Egypt also intensive workshops but what do you feel was special thing about Cleopatra or specifically this edition of Cleopatra in your opinion Okay, first of all, thank you very much. Yes, it's been uh, around close to two weeks already and I'm still digesting uh, the festival week. It was, it was great. I feel just amazing. I've been, I have been working very long time for this, but the result, it paid off. Mm. So, uh, thank God I had so many people from so many different countries. Um, the turnout was really good, even more than I was expecting. Energy was 
the top, uh, people happy. I was happy myself. Happy if, because I see others are happy. I see the smiles on everyone. So it is actually very special. As you're saying, I have been organizing events for in the past 12 years. Uh, and But for this one especially, I think it was the closest to my heart because I put all my effort, all my attention uh, into it. And it came out the way I wanted and even more than expected. How long have you been working, uh, preparing this specific festival? For Kalipatra, for a year and a half. The idea, it came out in, um, in the beginning of uh, 2022, mm. after, I f after I finished with uh, Ferris Dance Like an Egyptian. It happened at, in December 2021. Actually, it has a story. Cleopatra, it has a little story. And I, I, I was talking about it in my first workshop in Cleopatra. So, uh, first, I dreamed of Cleopatra. Mm. I don't know what is Cleopatra. So, I woke up in the morning. One, one day, I woke up in the morning, uh, and I had the name of Cleopatra in my, in my head. And then, on, on, on the name, I started building the project. Mm. I see the queen being Cleopatra. I see the, 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 the competition theme in Cleopatra's crown, Cleopatra's wear. So I thought, oh my God, Cleopatra would be a good festival name. So I got the idea and immediately I believed in it and I start work on it on my, on my head. Mm -hmm. And then I start making up the logo I start reserving the hotel and then promotions. Of course, teachers, I had idea who I wanted to, to invite. So it started just a, a dream. I never thought I would have a big festival in Cairo by myself. I never, I never thought that. You know, I've been organizing uh, dance like, uh, I, I've been organizing uh, rocks, of course, for more then 10 years, I was not alone. I had a partner, I had a partnership. And then we had a conflict of interest, you call. And then I had to leave. And when I left, I never thought I'm gonna make a festival, big festival. I was so happy with my dance like an Egyptian course. But the idea just came and it cooked in my head very fast. And I start work on it very fast, unbelievably fast. I don't know how, and actually this is not the way I work, because I take a long time to prepare my things. But it just happened. Uh, I was planning actually to have Cleopatra in 2022, mm. but then the, the war happened, and I couldn't just uh, make a festival while a war happening my, with my students here and there. It didn't feel good to start a festival or to do a festival while all this going on. So I decided to postpone it. I postponed the whole idea, I postponed the whole festival 
it was actually 90% ready. And I was like, I have the hotel, I had the reservation, I had the website, I had everything ready, but then I decided to postpone it for 2023. And I think that was a very good decision. Mm. So we had it this year and then it happened. <laughs> How do you feel festival is different from intensive? Because you mentioned you have been organizing here in Cairo intensive and already mm -hmm. so far a few years yeah. in a row. And you're also happy about that. But what in your opinion, like for someone who possibly have not been neither at intensive nor the festival, what would be the difference, let's say? Okay, I have, I have a little difference between dance like in Egyptian as an intensive and Cleopatra as a festival. Let's start first with Cleopatra, because this is most known with everyone else. Cleopatra uh, system that you can have as much people as you are able to. So there is no limit for the class. There is no mm -hmm. limit for the attendees. Uh, festival, many teachers, international and Egyptians. Uh, one class after the other, one class after the other, sometimes two classes in a row. Uh, everything's very intensive, bum, 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 bum. Many classes, many teachers, so many in the competition, so many in the open stage. On the other hand, in, the, in, in dance like in Egyptian, for example, it's more smaller, mm. more intimate, more intensive. I have a limit of 50 people and uh, only 50 people, I don't take more. Uh, I have only two classes a day, one after the other. So we are more concentrated on the topic, uh, taking it easy, not crazy as, uh, as the festival. Mm -hmm. The amount of the teachers very small compared to the festival. Like for example, I have between 72 to 20 teachers in Cleopatra, but in dance like in Egyptian, I teach, for example, two or three workshops and I have guest uh, teachers. We are all together six. I, I, I teach three classes and the other teachers teach one each one. We are more concentrated on the topic. We talk a lot about the topic, not just dancing. Like, for example, I, uh, last year I was teaching ballet for six hours. I was speaking about the ballet from A to Z. Dance, I had live musician. I was talking about the topic what is ballady, what is in it, what kind of music, old and new. I show some videos. Uh, so it's not just uh, dance, 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 dance. It's more, let's say, more for educational part. Mm -hmm. So for teachers and professionals, that will be uh, very helpful. So, competition not as long, not as many people as in the festival. And I also have a little different system in the competition. Uh, for example, in, uh, in, uh, in, 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 in Cleopatra, for queens, for the professional, I have two rounds, one round, uh, first round with the musician, uh, I mean, for, first round with the recorded music, mm -hmm. And the finalist with the musician, just one song, classic song. But in dance like in Egyptian, I have first round with the CD 
and we I pick only six or seven uh, finalists and the finalists they don't do just one song mm. no they do a mini Egyptian show why why would it be different for competition can't judges see uh, the level of dancers from one song <laughs> exactly that's exactly we don't see the level of the dancer mm. here I see the understanding of what is the Egyptian show mm. so what to start how to start what you should choose in the middle of the show and what are you ending with so it's three songs uh, I put them together there is an intro and folkloric part and ending part so it's not just one oriental song you look for the technique for interpretation the use the use of the stage no it's also understanding what Egyptian show means as it was of course not now now as you see in Cairo there is no Egyptian show anymore you know but as it was what it means Egyptian show Egyptian show has an intro has a middle show has an ending mm -hmm. so that's the difference between the festival and the uh, and the uh, intensive week so they they, they have on the website, I have 10 different programs. Each program have three different songs. For example, Mijonse, classic ballad. Mijonse, Saidi, Shabi. So each, each participant, they basically need to study the 10 programs because no one know which program they will, they will dance. Yeah. It's a randomly, they, I get them on the stage and they pick by themselves one of the tenth. So it's a whole studying timing before they come to Egypt. So I, 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 who, whoever wants to participate in the competition, they need to study 10 programs before they come to Egypt. That's a very interesting approach because it kind of contradicts the popular, you know, belief that, oh, like the judges in first 30 seconds, they already see if it's a good dancer or not and if she's a winner or not, like they can evaluate. But here, it's a completely different approach. It's not only about technique. Exactly. It's more about presentation and it basically means that the longer the show, the long, I mean, it's roughly, of course, sad generalizing, but like the longer judges see the dancer, the more variables can mm -hmm. play in determine who can win the competition. Exactly. So it's not about technique and, and interpretation. No, it's about understanding what show means. So it's more concentrated than being just uh, one classic song. One classic song you will understand, of course, the dancer from... For me, I would understand who the dancer from the first 30 seconds. You can tell, even the way the dancer walk on the stage, you can tell who is she and what level is she. But here is not just that. You have to know what mise-en-scene and what energy mm -hmm. you used in the mise-en-scene. Folkloric part, you have to know also what folklore and how to use it on the stage. The ending part, it's, it's not just one thing. You have to understand uh, 
the complete package as an Egyptian dancer, not just a dancer. That's an, another thing, an Egyptian dancer. And also a complete, what I found for myself, a complete different world of dancing with a live orchestra. Definitely. And not only what typically as a foreign dancer, non-Egyptian dancers, we think, oh, it's just to sort of like be ready that they will play a different part of the song and uh, we need to be ready to sort of like improvise or switch mm -hmm. from one part. No, that's no. a very little part of what actually means exactly. dancing with orchestra. Yes. There's this whole world of... Literally, sometimes even cueing orchestra, like, you mm -hmm. know, communicating, like, with the drums, which is a uh, um, very far <laughs> from under being understood by foreign dancers Definitely. who don't have experience of not just performing somewhere in the world with live orchestra. No, 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 it's totally different. With Egyptian Egypt, orchestra exactly. and what expectations are on dancers, like, even this concept that a drummer will follow dancer, but not in the sense that oh, he needs to catch her, but in the sense that she needs to give him work to play on his drum. It's, it's, a, it's an understanding maybe in between the dancer and the drummer. Mm -hmm. And you will find it actually only in Egypt. Because I, I have been seeing a lot of live music outside of Egypt. Nothing like, like yeah. here. And this is, I actually always telling my studying everywhere I go, if you're a dancer, it's a shame they never been in Egypt. You go and experience it at least once a life. Because being in Egypt, it changes the whole idea about the dance. If you've never been in Egypt, so visit Egypt to see how things have been done. It totally changes your life. This is 100%. Absolutely, but it's also not just visiting Egypt. It's tapping into this information. Because no, when definitely. you look from outside, you don't really understand fully no. what's happening on stage. Exactly. You need to get into the, you know, like the right place and time and someone is talking about explaining, showing, and then you start understanding what you actually see on stage happening. And actually, not just experience you being on the stage. You will experience it with other performers. Like, you, for example, you see Tito perform. You watch him. You're not watching him just enjoying his dancing. No. You're watching him, how he communicates with the drummer, how he communicates with the, with the all orchestra. So there is a language that we, we speak, we understand, but we don't really speak. We understand each other. Yeah. There is a language between the performer and the, the orchestra. This, you will learn it only here by experiencing experience it yourself on the stage or by seeing the other doing it. It's a whole different experience. No matter where you travel, no matter you have the greatest live musician, but in Egypt, it's totally, totally different than anywhere else. Yeah, and I would just add again to emphasize because that's 
I rely this on my experience, understanding that many dancers, many people who listen to us don't fully understand what we are talking about. When you say language between dancers and musicians, you literally mean language. Because mm -hmm. once you know, you start understanding, ah, that fancy arm move was not a decoration for movement or to create emotion, something. It was actually a direct signal to musicians exactly. from the dancer. Yeah. And this is something that... Even if you just come to like Egypt or you see other shows around the world of Egyptian dancers with Egyptian musicians, uh, you don't really understand the seat. It's so covered, like it's so uh, hidden or let's say masked. <laughs> yes, yes. Masked. And you understand it only if you experienced it. Yes. Yeah. Or you... when you put as expectations, oh, now you need to lead and as like, what, why, how, etc. So of that's course. a very different experience. I just wanted to emphasize because I know many foreign dancers have no idea to the which extent it's such yes. close connection happens on stage. Let me tell you, I know few dancers. They came to Egypt and after Egypt, they stopped dancing. They got so frustrated. They said, oh my God, I cannot reach this level. So it changes you at that level. Yes, I do actually know a couple of people. They stop dancing because they, oh my God, no, I'm not that good. I cannot reach that level. So this is how Egypt impacts you as a dancer. It's literally changed the whole idea, the whole understanding of, of being an, an oriental dancer. But hopefully it mostly encourages and pushes forward, it, not discourages to stop. <laughs> no, of course it does. It yeah. does for a lot of people. Yes, it's yes. encouraged people. I, I have students, I've been seeing them very young. They've been coming to Egypt for like over 10 years. Now they are teachers. So Egypt, it has a great progress for so many dancers and mm -hmm. teachers around the world. And I'm one of them actually. I'm one of them, Egypt. Uh, I started, I, I don't know if you know, I started at Ahlan Wasalan Festival. And that was like a great push for me and a great opportunity, a great understanding, like anyone else. It's not just because I have been born here, so that's why I am today. No, it's also, I have learned, I have studied, I have seen, I have experienced. So this, it's a great place for people or dancers who are serious to learn and serious to know. At the other hand, of course, everyone else outside of Egypt see what's going on here and performing in Egypt. Anyone can perform in Egypt, but that doesn't mean or takes out the fact that Egypt still the learning point it will be the learning point, despite all the, how we call it, all what's been happening for in the past few years. Yeah, unfortunately, we, now we don't have venues that as we had before, nightclubs for the Kareel show, a real belly dance show. Mm -hmm. But hopefully, hopefully, it will come back. So what's going on in, in, in the discos or the bars here? It was never, ever, ever like this. And hopefully Egyptian people or Egyptian government or Egyptian owners, whatever, they will return again the, um, the real Egyptian show in the Egyptian venues. Mm -hmm. 
But it was also very cool uh, to see at festivals uh, organizers bringing Egyptian dancers, local who work here, yeah. either Egyptian or foreigners who for a long time work here with their own orchestras yes. often, and actually putting. Uh, of course, it's a different environment, but still putting like the whole programs, the whole set, not just like, you know, two, three songs in a row and done. Like, no, it's a costume it's a whole change, show. it's different moods, uh, yes. every set. So that was very cool to see, at least in the festival environment, yeah. that uh, that piece come, kind of comes back, at least for yeah, now. Yeah, at least in us, this... we can keep this. Yes, like, yeah, uh, yeah we, uh, I try to keep this atmosphere. I also, I for the first time, I brought a dancer in a festival, Faraula. She's uh, she never been in a festival before. She never taught a class, so I wanted also to show my participant, non instructors, just a dancer, just a local dancer. Mm -hmm. That's why I put on my opening somebody like Faraula, just to row. Mm -hmm. She's a row, totally row dancer, beautiful. She has some technique. She's not a teacher. She doesn't. She might not have the teacher structure in her show, as all of us. But I also wanted to show uh, my participants something else new mm -hmm. for them just from just performing in, in, mm -hmm. in, in Cairo. And I think that was also adding up to the, to the festival. I have a curious question. Uh, this is not uh, specific about Faraula. I just happened you, you mentioned her that you brought her to festival but i'm sure you communicate to many different dancers here mm -hmm. who work in egypt who not necessarily are in the festival community or they are, are in festival but they are also very very active and their main focus is just performing in cairo so in your communication how do you feel like in general is it easy let's say to bring a Egyptian dancer into a festival environment to perform? Do, are they sort of excited, interested that, oh, it will be another dancers, like, you know, foreign? Or is it sort of kind of a um, uh, point of, um, how to say, uh, I, I, concern I, I, or like, ah, not really sure. Okay. Like, how do you feel, on general, I'm saying, not, not just about yeah, one dancer. It's, like, not, so. uh, it's not about, I'm afraid or this or that, no. Uh, people who are at the festival, they know what festival means. People who are outside of this circle, they are happy with, um, with what they have. Mm. The Egyptian scene and Egyptian dancers who work here, they have very difficult life. Being working all night and sleeping all day. So this is the circle every single day. So when you tell a dancer, come for a rehearsal at 2 p.m., for example, what? No, I can't. So it's because of her schedule. She can't afford not to sleep during the day because she has to be up all night. They don't understand uh, the value of the festivals or the value of being a teacher because they never tried it. Uh, some of them they say, no, I, I can't, I don't have time. And some of them try. It depends on the person themselves. Of course. Um, if, they are, if she willing to, to go with the flow, to do both, to do both is very hard because you have to be concentrated on travels, you have to be concentrated on working on yourself as a teacher. 
and performer or just being a performer in Egypt for the whole night and every day you sleep. Like no rehearsal, they don't do rehearsal, they just show up at night with the musician, very rare. But let me tell you, in the past, the dancer was working a lot on herself. Like I'm talking about Fifi Abdu, Dina, this, because I work with these people. I know how it was. It was just amazing. Nago Fuad, she was doing like almost everyday rehearsal. Mm. So she works at night, but during the day she's rehearsing. These days, I think we got more lazy than other people been. So yeah, so they sleep during the day and work during the night and they have no time to do, do, to do something else. Like with Faraula, oh my God, I, I did an effort to, for her to come. Yeah, I did quite effort. <laughs> well, very grateful you did. It was very interesting to see her show and uh, it's interesting to see also uh, how many layers of ballet dance uh, directions actually exist in Cairo. Yeah. Because the general narrative, again, among foreign dancers, like, okay, Cairo is known for festivals and there are shows in the clubs or cabarets like this. Uh, but let's say um, there are not many opportunities to take like classes or ballet dance like on the regular in Cairo. And I was like, that's also discovering a new layer. Then among dancers, it's kind of like, you know, as a foreign dancers, again, we usually know names of dancers who work in Cairo, but who also involved in festival. And how many more names, very famous, very mm -hmm. talented, amazing, gorgeous dancers who we don't know because they're not part of festival life, just yeah. because of that. Yeah. And there are so many more layers of what is happening with this dance, with Oriental dance in Egypt and in Cairo specifically, that it's kind of fascinating, like, you know, like again and again. again. So thank you so much for making that effort. It was absolutely amazing. <laughs> I, I did the effort like once and twice and three times, like a lot, because I wanted to show something different that they always see. And I, I guess I, I did succeed. And I was happy that finally I could get in touch because it's very difficult because they, <laughs> it's so crazy, they appear only at 12 a.m. So at 12 a.m. I'm already sleeping. <laughs> so so you, if you want to have a meeting, you could have a meeting like 5 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, which... I can't. <laughs> yeah, but for them, it's normal. Like, I also, like, talk to many dancers and they say, oh, yeah, my show starts at 5 a.m. Yeah. Sometimes we finish at 8, uh, 9 a.m. We go for breakfast with musicians, maybe stay for a short rehearsal of yeah. some kind in yeah. 10 in the morning and then go to sleep. Till exactly. Evening. It's, yeah. it's, it's just, I don't know how it's a to life. survive. <laughs> no. Listen, I, I did that for 15 years yeah, when I was crazy. performing in Egypt. I was finished, I used to finish work at, uh, 5 30 in the morning and sleep until afternoon and that's I did that 15 years so I know how it feels but yeah they work until like 9 8, eight in the morning yeah. if you have family then you're gonna have to go with your family stay with them a little bit and then sleep like 12 
for the rest of your day. <laughs> That's a tough... Uh, it's a very tough life. And also tough to put together logistics of festival schedule and <laughs> if you want to bring those dancers more into this uh, thing. Coming back to the topic of festival, I'm curious also to ask, because you organize New York Cairo, mm -hmm. big festival in New York also uh, for quite a few years already. <laughs> Um, what is the main difference between organizing a festival in New York and in Cairo? <laughs> okay, that's... <laughs> okay. I've, I've been organizing New York Cairo since 2014. In, 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 New, York, in New York, as we know, it's a very expensive city. Mm -hmm. One of the most expensive cities around the world. It's actually easy to work. It's easier, a lot easier to mm -hmm. work there. But it's a lot more expensive also to work there. It's easy how? People are more committed with what they do. <laughs> so if I say this, this will be happening on time. If I want this, this will be happening on time as the way I described it, the way I want it. So the way I imagine it to be easy done. If you mm -hmm. have the money, it will be easy done. This is the only difference between Egypt and, 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 and New York. The organization-wise is easier mm -hmm. as long as you have the hotel, as long as you have the money, the ideas, everything. It's easy to organize it. Comes after this is... And of course, the labor is a lot more expensive. So if you want to do... In, in New York, me and Hannah, my partner, we do a lot of things with our hands. Like we build the stage ourselves. We build the whole thing ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because if we want to hire a company to do this, it's unbelievably expensive, mm -hmm. unimaginable. Uh, I mean, expensive for our field, Maybe for others will be affordable, but for our field is very super expensive. So we build the stage ourselves. Uh, we build a lot of things ourselves. Like, but here, no, I hire a company for everything. In Egypt, it's affordable to hire to hire a company. It's becoming actually also expensive. Mm. In the past two years, things became like three times more expensive than it used to be jumped up crazy, the hotel jumped up crazy. So I had challenges here in Egypt between the cost of everything treble now mm. than, than only the last year. So I, not even the last year, last December, I had treble prices than last December. Uh, New York, yes, it's easy if you have the money and if you have the if you have everything ready. It's a lot easier to organize. And comes after this, you have to bring teachers from Egypt to New York. Again, orchestra. I pay crazy amount of money for the uh, for my band in New York, Cairo. A lot of money. And musicians, uh, do you find local there or do you bring from Egypt? I find local. I can't even bring it from Egypt. For If I bring it from Egypt, it would be more cheap, actually. But the issue is visas. 
Oh, you mean even cheaper with a flight, considering the flight? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Because if I bring Egyptians, they will make more work mm -hmm. with the same, basically around the same amount of money that I pay in New York. But I bring locally, but the hour rate there is different than, than Egypt. So it's actually basically mm. the musician, I have them only for one day. This is, I could afford and it's a lot of money. But Egyptians, they will be with me the entire festival. They can work with me every day. And it will be the same, almost the same amount of money. So that's also a big, huge difference. Uh, what else? Yeah, that's it. Organization-wise, the same. But I use the the availability, what I have here, I don't have there. So if I have here something, I cannot do it there, so I do it here. Mm -hmm. More affordable, more, uh, it's possible. There's some things I wanted, but I can't. It's not even affordable to make it. Mm -hmm. But here, I can put almost my ideas. I also, for Egypt, I use, um, for example, the, 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 I use my, 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 my Western mentality for the work here. The ideas, the way I do work. So America was very uh, useful to me. I have, of course, I have learned a lot in the States, business-wise. Mm -hmm. uh, so something like flyers. Flyers it been made in different country. The logo, it was made in a different country. The, uh, the videos is in a totally different country. So I, whatever I miss from here, whatever I don't have in the States, uh, in, in Egypt, I bring it with me from the States. Mm -hmm. So I use both countries to work on both. Cool. So whatever is not in New York, I bring it from here. Whatever is not here, I bring it with me from New York. That's why you see things different than any other festival they don't have, because actually I have more possibilities than, thank God I have more possibilities mm -hmm. than, than the others. And I, as I told you, I like to invest money for my work. I like to see, I like the image. I like my work to be, to look good and to look professional and to look different. So I do invest the money. As I told you, the logo, was made in Ukraine. The video made in Ukraine. Some of, uh, some of the posters made in Mexico. Some of the posters made in Russia. Uh, I bring so many things from the States. So uh, to put this together is not only local Egyptian. No, I put, I involve China. I involve China also. So there's so many countries actually involved in this festival. <laughs> so yeah, I, 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 I use my stay in New York and I use my stay in Egypt to, to do both. But of course, New York is organization-wise is a little easier. Well, I would only add here congratulations on a successful event because as I mentioned before, like the attention to details and uh, 
as you mentioned, the visual presentation is also important for you. Of and course. it was obvious. Yeah. It was a very glamorous Valentine's <laughs> Festival and uh, very successful in many senses. So congratulations Thank on that. Thank you very much, Anna. It was also special, uh, not because it was the first edition of the Festival of Cleopatra, but because you put together the opening day and the premiere of your new CD. Yes. And I know this CD is very special and some songs are very special. You were talking about at the festival, but yeah. can you please share with a little bit outside the festival audience <laughs> with our listeners um, a little bit about your new CD and some songs I know they have a very special place in your heart. <laughs> so, yes, this is Autar. This is the newest uh, album. It also has a very special place in my heart because I was working on it for a very long time during Corona. And I went through Corona because of the CD. So during the depression time, I was sitting in the studio every single night working on the CD. This is how Corona time passed for me. It, first of all, I've I, I been there in, in, in New York in, when Corona hit. I couldn't travel for three weeks, I mean three months or a little more. And first flight opened for Egypt. I jumped on it and I boom, straight. Because it was very depression, the depressed time in, in New York. So I flew here and I started working on, uh, on, uh, on Autar album, little by little. And there are some songs also very close to my heart, like the, the, there is a classic song, it's a new composed and new lyrics called the Ad Albi. This very, very close to my heart. Uh, as, uh, yeah, I mentioned also something I was talking about during my workshops at the festival, that everything I do and become successful, and actually I dream about first. So uh, I dreamed about this song, uh, it's called the Et Albi. My favorite composers, my always favorite composer is Bali Hamdi and Muhammad Abdul Wahab. So I woke up in the morning, I have an idea about a new song, I wanna work on it. And I have, I dreamed about few words and how it sounds exactly. Mm -hmm. So I woke up in the morning and I called Nadir Zakaria, the the, the composer and uh, the owner of the studio that I work with, I told him, listen, uh, I have an idea. I want to do this, 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 this and that. I told him, listen, I want, I want Bali Hamdi and, uh, and Hamra Abduhab, I want both of them to be in one song. I want both energy to be in one song. And he said, no, I don't, don't understand what exactly you mean. I told him, okay, I'm coming to the studio this evening. So I went there and I started explaining to him what I want and what I dreamed about. Uh, I know about the Et Albi, this is what I wanted. And Habibi in, in a specific sound, we spoke about it. And then uh, Karim Gad, my friend, I called him because he write a lot of my music. <laughs> I told him also the same dream uh, and what I wanted in the, in the lyrics. Few, I gave him few words to use 
I go with him the at LB uh, and then he said okay give me three four days and I will send you a first draft three four days he sent me first draft I said oh that looks so good so we worked together me and him a little about the lyrics which changed very little things until I said okay and then I took it to the studio and we've been working on this song for a whole year one year I, I see it in a specific sound, specific structure. And if I see it that way, it has to be done that way. <laughs> <laughs> what was uh, not going right away your way, so it took one year? Uh, like, what's the process? Because it's also interesting. Like, what do yeah. you mean you worked for, on one song for a year? Okay, <laughs> this is how we work. I sit with him, we start composing. Sometimes it comes slowly, like it comes new ideas, and sometimes not. So we work together and then I leave. I leave him for like one or two days to continue a bit. So he work and he, I go to the studio, I hear it, I said, no, no, let's work on it. We delete, we make new. Like the new melody. New melody, okay. uh -huh. new part, new, I don't like the transition. Mm -hmm. So we work on the transition together or he work by himself without me. Let me tell you, I'm a difficult person to work with. For, yeah, <laughs> they, anyone work with me, he knows that. Because my, my vision, if I see it, I stick with it. I, I, if someone else uh, tell me, okay, instead of this, we're doing this, I said, no. I see it that way, and I would like to have it that way. So that's why they complain about me. So my composer always complained during the process, but when actually the project finishes, he said, oh my God, you're right. I hear it a lot, especially from Nader. <laughs> so yeah, we take long process, sometimes argument for sure, but at the end, we come up with uh, a really good project. I have also uh, TikTok. Also, it has a little story. The song TikTok. The song, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the TikTok. The, my song TikTok, which Not is... Not TikTok app. We are talking about songs here. No, so, yes. There is, okay, let's be yeah. clear. There is a song called TikTok in my, in my album avatar. This also has a, had a little uh, story. Uh, Karim wrote a song in that style that I wanted. And... I start working on it with Nader, compose it and work on it. One time I was driving, here in Egypt actually, I was driving and I had the radio on. And the radio, one of the songs that I was hearing in the radio, TikTok in English. There is a song about TikTok in English. I said, wait a minute, why cannot we sing TikTok in Arabic? <laughs> Immediately, I called Nader, I told him this, this, this and that. I called Karim, I told him, listen, I want TikTok in Arabic and I wanted this, this, this and that. So I totally deleted the first one that we were working on it and we finished half of it. Mm. We finished half of it. And I, or I told Nader, just keep it, whatever later, maybe, but keep it for now. I would like to do TikTok and that's... 
that's another story. <laughs> when you're working on a song, how much right away you're thinking about dancing to that song? Or is it just about music and then you think about, oh, let's also do that? I actually do it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do it together at the same time. So w- when I compose or w- when we compose a song, it's not just for to listen. No, I involve dancing immediately. Like what I would be doing, what the rhythm is good for dancing, what is not good for dancing. So it both be coming together. Does it happen that in the music studio you suddenly start showing to the composer, oh, I want to do this kind of movement? Absolutely. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely. And when he works, when he would the rhythm, and I get up and dance to see the speed, to see the energy, of course. Yeah, That's and cool. I, like, I'm like a clown in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes visitor comes, and of course, visitor they are in a studio, music studio. So when they see me jumping and dancing, what's what's going on? What's happening? It's weird for them, but yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Especially when the when the drummer comes, I dance the whole time for the drummer. Yeah, when we compose, I all the time, I I get up and. Try, <laughs> try the speed, try the rhythm, try if it's good, try my feeling, my energy with it. Mm-hmm. If it's good or not, if it's slow or too fast, so I tell no, speed it up a little, make it uh, slower a little. Oh yeah, I mm. do. <laughs> well, that's cool. That's why it's one of the secrets, I guess, why your music is so beautiful, not only as a music piece, but also for dancing. Yeah. It's like that. I just got a very curious uh, idea and question. What do you think for dancers, especially non-Egyptian dancers who are not used, but sometimes it becomes like a trend, or for a while it was, that dancers want to have their own measurement and they work with musicians. Do you think it may be an interesting suggestion for dancers first to put, let's say, choreography and send the video and like, do something like that based on that for musicians? Because mean- it's a very difficult question for especially foreign dancers who Mm -hmm. don't have any music background how to communicate to let's say Egyptian composer who agreed to do some composition for them like because sometimes dancers you don't really know like I want something pretty but I don't know what I want you know like actually I did it for a lot of my students Mm -hmm. a lot of my students they they, how you approach the process oh the process okay if you want a music for example Mm -hmm. you tell me Mohammed I want a music so I said okay uh, what you would like? What do you what do you see in your music? So will tell me I like this, I like that, and what do you think? I said before I tell you what I think. I want to know what you think. What do you imagine yourself doing? Tell me a few rhythms you like. Tell me a few examples if you have some music mm-hmm. parts that you like. So I I want to understand you first. And then I will tell you my opinion. Uh, I work with whatever you want, of course, and I add my expertise on it. But the first thing I ask, actually now, I'm doing the same with Alida. I'm, I'm going to make music for her, and she just sent me her ideas about music. So, yeah, first thing I ask, how you want to enter, how you want to end, what kind of rhythm you like, what kind of style you like, what kind of style you see yourself in it? Do you want your name on the music? What, the, what do you want the words to talk about? Mm-hmm. About you or about life or about dance or about whatever. 
some dancer they know what they want and they need just my help some dancer they don't really know so i ask first if they don't know here i can i can get involved anyway i get involved but i i i prefer to get involved on your thoughts just to improve it instead of totally put my my thoughts on but i have both mm-hmm. some some dancer they they know what they want and they can see where what they want and some dancer they not i've been i've been actually i've been helping a lot of my students in this way been helping them i've been helping the studio to get business of course but mostly helping my students mm-hmm. so yeah i was just curious because uh, when you said like oh you're dancing right in the studio showing which movement so basically a composer gets inspiration from of what course, he sees visually yeah. and to think about that it's a very popular concept used to be at least in classical ballet mm-hmm. it's first choreography and then it's and, composers and then who the does compos- the score for the choreography mm-hmm. but that's why i was like half joking but half seriously oh maybe it's another way for dancers you know like i want kind of like this movements Here I do opposite <laughs> be, just because I'm a dancer. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm, when I do it for myself I know what I want mm-hmm. and I know what I like. Now the composer actually know me a lot. The drummer know me a lot. Uh, so when I say I want this they understand exactly what what direction to go. Because we've been working together for so many years. Mm-hmm. But yes, I put myself if I'm doing something for one of my students yeah i put myself instead of her but i also involved her like during the process i send her i send her the music before it's recorded so she has to dance to it she has to feel it try the speed if she doesn't like anything we immediately change this is the way i work because i like to do things the way you want not the way i want i only here to help but others actually they don't even ask the students i heard many of the stories that they don't even ask what do you want in in the song they just send suddenly a song exactly. is like oh okay i yes. guess so <laughs> yeah no but i don't do that i totally involve the dancer and it's it. important I, and and the last version before we record also i sent to them to try it to see, I, i i translate the words for them uh so they also they can have the idea of what it will be before we finalize and before mm-hmm. we record or before we we call any musician mm-hmm. it has to be confirmed from the dancer first and also for some listeners to clarify because not all of them may be that familiar with the music like as the industry or production thing like usually the music is first created as a draft maybe on a yeah. keyboard or one yeah. two instruments yes. And then you get the full musicians and the recording process is actually a lot of work, a lot of energy, lots of money. So you yeah. do want to make sure that what you're about to record, you actually like. <laughs> exactly. I have to get uh, approved yeah. from the dancer. I told her, dance to it, take your time, feel it. And of course, it will, be, it will sound different than it sounds now because now it's only keyboard work. Mm. But at least you try the speed. You, you you the singing part would be the same it's just different singer more it will be more as a music recorded music than the draft the draft it's always uh it's only for them to to to, to try to dance to it and to 
the speed is very also very important. Some dancers they like the speedy rhythms. Some dancers they like more quiet. So the speed we can we work on it also. And the style of if, if we're talking about Mijansei, the style of each part. This is very important to get it from the dancer, not from me. Because for me, I would I would be doing what I want, what I like, and. What I like, it cannot, it doesn't have to be applied to you. So yes, I like to get 100% approved from, from the dancer before we record. Because recording, it's involved a lot of money, a lot of musicians, yeah. a lot of process. So when I record, when I start recording, that's already been approved. And I know from our previous conversations, you were telling that music production for you is basically like a non-stop process. You finish one CD, you already start working on another one. So I don't know, maybe you have some other new dreams <laughs> that I, you don't want, don't mind sharing with us. That I'm actually working on it. I'm actually, we started. Started already. Yes, we really started. Yeah, I have been in the studio already twice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I'm waiting for him to, to, um, to finish first draft, to go to the studio. So I am already in it. Wow. Yeah. It's, look, I, music, it's passion more than, than work. It, become, it became passion for like a few years already. And let me tell you, the money I put in the CD, I, I never get it back. It's not like even earning money from it. No. I spent a lot, a lot, a lot of money. My CDs consider one of the best quality right now because I do invest. I told you before that I like to invest in my projects. And that's why it becomes like this. I'm very attention to details. Like in every details I am involved. So I put on a lot of money uh, and I never get it back 100%, but I don't even care. I, I work on it, I teach on it, I, I, I'm so happy to see the whole world using my music. Yeah. So it's, it may give me satisfaction a lot more than, than the money that I spend or even the effort. Like sometimes, uh, the song Dandana, right? Dandana, she, Dandana, this song, it was a hit up until now. No dancer around the world, they don't know Dandana. This dandana, I brought three different singers to sing this one. First one, he came, he sang it, he got paid, and he left. After it finished, I don't like it. Mm. I don't feel it. I brought another singer. Same thing. I don't like it. Until I got the last one who, who sang it, it was like, boom. With the Et Albi, the, the last song that I'm telling you from the new CD, I've been waiting for that singer three months. I've been looking for a singer for three months. I brought three or four female singers, and the minute they come in the recording room, I told them, I say the composer, no, I don't feel it, I don't like it. Until this woman who came, She's an amazing, amazing. I went to the studio. We sent her the, the, the draft first to, to study it before she comes. Because I want her to come to the studio ready. 
when I saw her, when I saw her first, I said, mm, I don't think so. But the minute she comes in a control room and she just sung the first two words, I told Nader, that's it. I told him, that's it. And I was so happy to finally get someone who I really want. I have to feel the singer. If I don't feel it, it has to change. It has to be different one. Female, male, singer, I don't care. But I have to feel it. So, yeah, it takes a lot of time, lots of effort. I know there are a lot of dancers who make albums and who make music. But I know no one sits in a studio as much as I do. Like, I live in a studio. I compose with the composer. I, I'm there in every little details happening. I have to be there. If I'm not there, something wrong. He's, and <laughs> if, if something happened and I don't like it, I made make him change. So he tell me, you have to be here. You have to approve. <laughs> That's easier for him, I guess, right? Exactly, <laughs> yes. You have to be here. So, yeah, I work on it also a lot. And, and I, I enjoy it very much. I, I'm telling you, during Corona time, with this album, I, I could go through Corona. I didn't feel it really much, as a lot of people did, because I was almost in the studio every single day. Um, speaking about last four years, actually, when I do second or third interviews, I usually start with this question, but since it was just recently a festival, I kind of felt uh -huh. like, no, we, we need to adjust. But I'm curious to ask, as we also slowly come into the closing of our today's episode, but I cannot uh, not ask this question. So our previous interview, we did, it was 2019. In Ukraine. In Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, in Odessa, Juliana Voronina uh, exactly. Festival. Yeah. Uh, so it was before all lockdowns or even thoughts about anything yeah. like that, uh, before all other things that happened after lockdown. So it was 2019. It's basically f almost full four years. Yeah. And for everyone who didn't listen, I highly encourage you to go listen because we talked even more about music and yeah, music production there. True. It was a different conversation, so I'll put a link in the show notes directly there so people can hear. But question to you, how do you feel in this last four years? What was the main change for you? And you can approach it both like per, as a person, personally, or as a dancer. What was the main key changes in your life, in your dance life, artistic life in general in this last four years? Actually, there is no main change. I'm a totally different person. Mm. In a personal level and a professional level. Uh, I can tell you it's, it's totally different. In a personal level, my whole personal level changed. And in a professional level, I'm a totally different person than I was four years ago. During Corona, during Corona, uh, you like it or not, sometimes a lot I see thanks to Corona. Because mm. difficult times, it shows the real people, the real friends, the people who are next to you. In a personal level, I got very disappointed 
with few people. Thanks to Corona, I got to know who they are really are. And that changed me actually into both professional and personal as well. So I've, I am totally different. My thinking way is different. Mm. My beliefs different. My trust is different. Uh, my approach to life is different. My approach to my profession, the dance, the music is different. My approach to uh, personal level is different. I can tell you that I'm like 80-90% different person. What's the main difference in your approach now? Uh, now, I concentrate, I try to concentrate bo on, on both in the same level, personal and uh, professional. Before that, I was, trans uh, I was uh, concentrating a lot more on a professional level. Mm. I forgot about uh, personal level. I forgot that I'm also human. I need to live like human life. I was just crazy going from this country to that country, from this project to this project, helping this dancer, going with, with this dancer. Like a lot, a lot, a lot involved mentally with business and, 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 and dance. Now, I don't know it's Corona or age, but yeah, now I want to do it equally. And I try, I'm trying to do it equally as well. But of course, me without... Uh, Without project going on, I'm nobody. Mm. So there is something has to be going on. Uh, music, dance, festival, travels, even choreograph something in my studio. I have to do something. Or to the gym. Yeah, the gym, it becomes also thanks to Corona. Also, it, I became uh, addicted to fitness and addicted to health more healthy life than I used to. Yeah, this is a plus also. I, I, I don't eat what I used to eat. Uh, my regime is not like it was. Mm -hmm. I never ever imagined that I could step up in a gym ever before Corona. <laughs> I, <laughs> never, <laughs> I never thought I would be ever in a gym. Now I'm addicted to gym. If I don't want to go, if, if I'm not going for a week, I feel so, super guilty. I eat differently. I, I, look, I'm like 80, 90% totally different person than it was four years ago. Mm. Well, I wish you to find that balance <laughs> in both professional and personal life that is very important. And uh, regardless of uh, field or, you know, like the specific direction that you take in oriental dance many people do lose you know this balance oh, and just focus on one thing and it's important to remember in all times in difficult and not difficult times that yeah. it has to be level so i wish you to find that uh, thank you <laughs> find and even improve even more enhance uh, whatever you are seeking uh, because everyone will have their own happy place thank in life thank you um and thank you also once again for taking time to record this interview and share a little bit about your 
both organizational, creative, music process. It's always very interesting to hear, you know, behind the scenes stories uh, uh, from dancers because there is one thing that we see on stage, either workshop stage or performance stage or this glamorous, you know, events, but it's a completely different thing that is actually the amount of work and process that is involved in creating this end result that we as participants, as audience members see afterwards or listeners see afterwards. Actually, so. I have something to say about this. Mm. For people from outside, they, so they see our life or my life in general, traveling, happy, festival, dancing, this and that. It's all the glamour. But let me tell you, the glamour on the stage, the glamour in the in, in, on, 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 on a workshops or on a festival. But once we leave the glamour, we are totally normal people. We have life, I have my home, I have my family. And unfortunately, being successful, you have to concentrate very much for your business. And if you concentrate very much on your business, then you lose the personal. So we actually sacrifice a lot for this uh, job. So from outside is glamorous, and it is in a way, of course, but in the other hand, and or on the other side, people don't see it. We get sad, we get, we fight, but we always say the students or the participant, they don't have to see the other face of ours. So if, if I have somebody died, I still have to go to work. I still have to dance on the stage. I still have to smile in front of the students. So we actually, sometimes we have double, double life. The life what we already have in our homes and our drama life sometimes. And on the other hand, the life that everyone else see it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, so it's a lot of effort. And a lot of us you see with totally different personality. So you see personal, like human being, and totally different person as an artist, especially if you are a well-known artist. It has, we, sometimes, unfortunately, we have to behave in a specific way because of our position, because of our job, and forget that we are still human. But yeah, most of us, you will see us in totally uh, two different lives. Mm. People always see the glamour only. That's a good reminder also, not only glamorous, not only by the nature of your specific like job and career, but also now with social media, mm -hmm. it's allowed any person, like you create image of what that life looks like. Yes. And in reality, it's usually a very different thing. It's only part of things that is showcased publicly or on social media. And there is a saying like someone else, uh, courtyard the um, someone else's yard always has uh, greener grass oh yeah always <laughs> we always think this way but yeah. we don't know what it takes actually to get there that's why it's another reason thank you for participating in this kind of conversations and like you know sharing uh little little bit i know we only scratched this you know like it's a very surface of all the work yeah. and the project but thank you at least you know agreeing to do that uh, because it's at least some insight into the actual process and what it takes to actually have these outcomes and these results that 
everyone else can see afterwards either live or on social media and uh, have that impression. So thank you so much. I really, thank really you, appreciate it. Thank you that you give me this opportunity. Thank you for letting me talk <laughs> and thank you for letting me share my stories with, with everyone else. So thank you very much. So I would love also to ask, where can I, our listeners follow your activities and find out more about what you are doing and your upcoming projects? I don't know if you have any favorite social media. Did it change since last time? <laughs> or maybe website is better for you. Where would you like to forward uh, people to Okay, uh, I have my social media. My, my, my personal is, uh, is on Mohammed Shaheen. You find it on Facebook or Instagram. Also, I have for each project website. I have my personal website, mohammedshaheen.net, where, where I have my store, I have my calendar, all my travels. I have uh, cleopatrafest.com for Cleopatra Festival. I have dancelikeanegyptians.com for my intensive and New York Cairo, nycairo.com for <laughs> New York Cairo. So each project, they have their own uh, website. But you want to find it all, just Google Mohammed Shaheen. <laughs> and you, for all of these projects, you already have upcoming dates. So Dance Like Egyptian Intensive, it's in December? December 3 to the 10th. In Cairo? In Cairo, 2023. Yeah, New York, uh, Cairo New Festival. York is it going to be at the end of April next year. Cleopatra is going to be June 30 to July 7th. In Cairo. Oh, in Cairo. So for everyone to bookmark already their calendars. <laughs> and for in the Cairo. album, the album, Autar, the newest album just released in uh, Cleopatra Fest two weeks ago, you will also find it in mohammedshaheen.net, mm -hmm. the store is in there. So all links I will put in the show notes so people can easily find and connect and check all the websites, all the social media. And I'm very excited to ask our final, the very final traditional question, which I asked in 2019, but I wonder if the answer will be different or the same. I don't know if you remember the Remind question me. or not, <laughs> but the question is, it's the same question that I ask everyone always at the end. What makes you fall in love with uh, belly dance, with oriental dance, again and again, so you keep doing it for so many years? I don't know if I said the same thing four years ago, but I will say what I feel. Dance in general, before I, I wanted to dance, I know I love to dance. And I start dancing because uh, I had it as a passion and I have never ever ever thought that I would one day I would be a dancer I had never thought one day I would travel the world to teach dance so it just came to me everything I have in a professional life it came to me mm. but the only thing I know dance I loved it since I've been born. I was six, seven years old and I was dancing around my house. I was dancing uh, in my birthdays and any parties, I just dance. And of course, grow, growing up with Mahmoud Reda's movie, so it gave me, it opened my mind that it's possible to, 
to be a dancer. It's not a bad thing. So this is how, <clears throat> this is what made me in the age of 14 to go around and to do something with my passion. I want to do something. I just don't want to love it, just love it. I want to learn it. I want to go more. I'm still in the process up until now. <laughs> Actually, I, I, when I, I, I studied mechanical engineering, while I was already a professional dancer. Mm -hmm. So I finished and I continued with dance career. So before, before I am a dance teacher, no, I'm a dance lover. And I, I believe what made me successful, and I, I consider myself lucky to be successful, that I love what I do. Mm. I never see myself to be in an office on a computer Five, nine to five office time. I, I'm not really into this. I never been and it's a blast from God that I, uh, I got in a career for something I'm in love with. So that's why I could improve myself every year. That's why I could be successful. That's why I have so many ideas because I wake up and sleep in my, in my dance. This is, it's my life actually. It's before it's my work and the way I make my living, but it's my passion in the first place. So I'm still in love like 30 years ago. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, bringing more consistency and more fun into your dance training online. Check it out at yanadanceclub.com, direct link in the show notes. And before you leave, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends, as well as leave a review on iTunes or any other app you're using to listen to the show. The more people know about this podcast, the easier it is for me to bring even more awesome guests. Until next time, keep shimming and keep dancing.